This is Rob Sheridan, and you are watching the TV Writer Podcast. I want to welcome new primary sponsor, the Blue Cat Screenplay Competition. Blue Cat is now open to submissions for the 2023 competition. The Blue Cat Screenplay Competition has been discovering and developing new storytellers for over 25 years to help new writers get a foothold in the industry. When you submit to Blue Cat, you're guaranteed a thorough read of your script with a written analysis of your submission at no extra fee. Blue Cat believes in supporting writers with more than just an opportunity at the cash prizes, but with feedback to guide each entrant to grow and develop. Blue Cat winners and finalists often make valuable connections in the industry, which help them begin professional careers. In addition, the five cash prizes total $18,500 this year. Send in your feature screenplay, TV pilot, or short film script when you're ready. The competition's deadline is October 30th, but if you miss it, you can still catch the late deadline on December 11th. This is Gray, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 133 for October 18th, 2022. Well, today I have the pleasure of interviewing somebody who's risen to the ranks in Canadian TV and then done the same in the States. So I think you're going to appreciate the, the broad perspective he has on both of these industries. I want to welcome Rob Sheridan. How are you doing, Rob? Thanks. I'm Greg. Right? Nice to see you. I, yeah. uh, uh, we were just having a quick chat before we started. We realized we have a, we have a, a little shared history. So uh, yeah. here we are only maybe mayhaps 20 miles apart from one another. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. I'm in the I'm in the, the I'm in round basically Van Nuys. So yeah. mm, very cool. And, and I did want to do a side note that um, I have interviewed a lot of Canadian writers over the years and showrunners, including Jana Senor, Sherry Elwood, Matt McClendon, mm -hmm. Karen Walton, Will Pasco, of course Brent Pieskowski last week. Um, yeah, and uh, and so if if viewers want to just go directly to those Canadian interviews and go to tvwriterpodcast.com and scroll down to the tags and there's a tag for Canadian TV writers and you'll get a whole pile of them. Well, everybody you just mentioned is terrific. So uh, uh, yeah, I'll, that's, uh, I'll have to do a deeper dive myself as well. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and we were just talking, and we we were at York University at the same time, and had a very similar trajectory. Um, why don't you talk about that? You came to York for production. Where where did you grow up, and and what led you there? So I just I just grew up in the I grew up in Scarborough, and uh, I was like, well, I've had enough of Scarborough. Let's go to Downsview. Um, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I those first couple of years, you know, York had a had a fairly reputable film program, and those first couple of years, I was uh, literally just commuting, and then eventually I, I moved into a house with a bunch of guys fairly mm -hmm. close to campus. And but it, it was, uh, yeah, it was sort of a hit miss experience there. I think at the time, I having had a lot of friends who went away to school, and you know, for just to well, just further away from home. Um, you know, there there was a time when I felt like, oh, geez, you know, I wish I'd done that. But I, I I I made the most of my time at York, and I did lots of different stuff, and just working on campus. And I worked at a pub, and I worked at the radio station, and had kind of an all round kind of experience there. But like you, uh, I I think uh, was in sort of production for the first uh, first year of of it, um, sort of film production, and then you know when you're shooting student films, especially in in Canada. 
uh, you're shooting them in the winter. You know, you're not, <laughs> nobody's shooting in like June or July yeah. and you're out there freezing your butt off. And I, I, at the time, um, I had very little patience for the sort of technical aspects of it. And I just, I don't know, it seemed tedious and expensive. And I, and I just mm -hmm. remember going to my, uh, to one of the, you know, the, one of the coordinators of the program, a guy named George Robinson, uh, who I remember well, and uh, I don't know if he's still with us or not, but, uh, he, uh, and I said, you know, I really love writing, but I, the rest of this is just, you know, so there was actually a, a, a friend who was a little bit sort of on the bubble as to in terms of whether or not, uh, there was a spot from the following year. And so I said, well, just, just give him mine and I'll just keep writing. And then after that, I, I did, I, I, I did do screenwriting. I don't, I don't know that I learned a ton about the craft, particularly, um, I felt like a lot of what I learned probably I could have picked up anywhere. And in some cases, maybe even maybe some better stuff, but, uh, I always considered it just a fairly decent kind of liberal arts education. And I took mm. a lot of, I read, you know, just a lot of lit classes and philosophy, whatever the hell I could get my hands on that. I felt like I could do without failing out. And, um, and that was it, you know, and I had a really good time, but I, I, I would say, there was a gap after that. And then I wound up working as a publicist for just, just kind of falling backward into a job out of school, mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the mail room of, uh, of, uh, Garth Drabinsky's old theater company. Oh, if you're wow. Drabinsky. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So in the, and I was, I, I, I got a job in the mail room and wound up working in the publicity department for a few years, not like corporate publicity. So I didn't have to answer the phones when the fraud came down, but I, I show stuff and I got to tour and travel and it was fun. And mm -hmm. I could, and I was writing a little bit. In fact, I wrote a couple of little stories for, for Playbill and I, and I did a lot, obviously I was writing a lot of press releases and stuff. So I was realizing that I was good at writing, but I, I really was not on any particular path and, and mm -hmm. just kind of drifting. And I think the bet, one of the best things that ever happened to me was, uh, the, the, the company went down in flames and the RCMP showed up <laughs> and they started seizing boxes and uh, the rest is history. And Barth, Garth, Barth, Garth eventually went to uh, prison for a short period of time, um, about 10 years later. But yeah, that was sort of a kick in the pants and then uh, a couple other things. And then I went to the Canadian Film Center in 2001 and mm -hmm. did a sort of a TV writing kind of crash course there. You know, I think the program's maybe a little bit longer than it was then. Um, mm -hmm. But I there, I did learn a lot, and more importantly, met, you know, a lot of folks who, who've remained friends. And it, that that felt, I was, you know, I was, I was already 30, or I just turned 30. Um, and so it was kind of a fresh start, you know, maybe a little older than I would have wanted. But I, I it, then I kind of, from there on, I didn't sort of look back. I was like, oh, hmm. I could write TV, uh, yeah. I think, uh, and, I, and, I, and I did. So um, the Canadian Film Center program, uh, I actually wasn't aware that they had a, a TV side. I, I thought it was more features, but um, yeah. did, that, did that lead fairly directly to you getting on staff? Was it like some of the um, fellowship programs here where, where they, they sort of get you connected or... Uh, how, how did you get that first staff job? It did in a way. I mean, you know, for, for, for any you know, buddy us watching or, or anything like that. Um, you know, we always, you could, there are similarities between say the Canadian film center and AFI. Now it's a much mm -hmm. smaller operation, uh, but some terrific people were there at the time. And, and the, 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 it was called the primetime writing program. And it was really modeled after a writer's room. And, and there were two groups of writers and one was doing a one hour and one was doing a half hour. And I was in the half hour group. 
it was a couple of showrunners, um, uh, Bill Lauren and Glenn Davis, who had done a couple of, who had worked on in the sort of late 90s uh, Canadian television. You'll mm-hmm. see their names pop up a lot on shows like Power Play and Kung Fu, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the Kung Fu reboot. But, but they, a lot of genre stuff. But really, they hadn't really done sort of sitcom, but they were really funny. And um, and so we worked on we worked on this uh, project, which uh, ostensibly was sort of being developed for Comedy Network. And like most things, never really went anywhere. But it was a great learning ground. And then really, yeah, I, to be fair, right out of there, uh, you know, people would come and speak to us. And mm-hmm. uh, not we didn't have a lot of comedy people coming in because there's not a lot. There wasn't a lot of comedy being made, really. Uh, yeah. in, 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 uh, I mean, it's that's still sort of sometimes the case. But um yeah, I oh so what happened was that Dave Smith, uh, who was uh, one half of SNS Productions, who made the Red Green show with his mm-hmm. brother Steve Smith, who played Red Green, and was in then in its going into its tenth or eleventh uh, season on CBC, it was kind of an institution by this point. A show I had never really watched much of. I mean, you know, I was sort of a mm-hmm. younger guy, and but I I kind of got the hang of, and I and I just felt like well, uh, I made an effort to kind of get to know Dave because I just thought, well, here's an opportunity. And as, as luck would have it, uh, sent them a script after graduation and, um, Steve liked it. And then I came in and then I just, I wound up writing a bunch of stuff for him and, and that continued for, for years. Uh, Very so cool. yeah, that was my first, but that was my first TV writing job for sure. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was writing two, three page scripts. Um, the show was sort of written in segments and, and it, it, it ate up a lot of material and Steve was mm-hmm. in, incredibly prolific uh kind of genius guy really and uh and it, it, it was hard to keep up with him uh not that i had to i mean he was the one doing most of the heavy lifting but it was uh it was a great first job actually mm-hmm. um, was was and, there a room or how, how was it written not really no you know Steve, it was more like um you know if, if anybody's ever seen the red green show it's it's sort of almost like a sketch sitcom hybrid Mm-hmm. There's no fourth wall, and Red is always talking to the audience. And I always likened it more to like the Jack Benny show or something like mm-hmm. that. Like you've got a bunch of writers who are mostly trying to please the one guy, but he he really, you know, we were we were basically emailing stuff in. And I was I remember I was still on dial up. It was like I'd finish a script and then I would take like twenty minutes to send it to. But um, I uh, yeah, we we uh, he he really every now and again. The other writers and I would uh, sort of put, you know, oh, could could we all get together? Wouldn't it be fun to all get together in a room and and, and share ideas? And we did, but it went, you know, in the end, it was just like there was no time. It was just like you just had to generate stuff, yeah, kind of keep going. And uh, so, it, no, I didn't really get the writers' room experience on that mm. uh, that I did later on on more sort of quote unquote I don't know, conventional scripted shows. But yeah, where you had like you know a real a real room going. Mm-hmm. And how and when did you get representation? And and maybe you can, I don't know if you if you can articulate what the differences might be in the U.S. and Canadian industry regarding representation. Yeah, I you know my I I feel like you know I, so much has probably changed more so than I even know. I mean you know I I I, I, I can't tell anymore. But I it's funny because I had met partly through that through that. Uh, the, the the primetime program at CFC 
uh, we got sent out to the Banff TV Festival that year, mm-hmm. and I, I think we had to I don't know, we had to pay something. I don't remember what it was, but it was like some kind of deal. And I met a, a guy named Glenn Coburn, who was with um, who was an agent at that time with Characters in Toronto, mm-hmm. and then later started his own agency called Meridian Artists. And I, Glenn and I, kind of hit it off on that trip. And when I and I didn't have an agent, and I didn't have an agent when when Steve Smith gave me an offer to write them a few scripts. So I just called Glenn, having been mm-hmm. the only agent I'd really met at that point, and said, uh, listen, I'm getting 300 bucks a pop for these, but if you want 10% of it, you can pretend to be my agent. I'd be doing it <laughs> solid. And he said, I'll see if I can't get the 10% up. I'll, I'll see if I can't get 10% over, so it'll cover my uh, my uh, commission. I don't, I don't remember if he did or not. But uh, yeah, well, after that, that was basically it. It was sort of a handshake deal. Uh, and remains a sense because uh, he has he has repped me in sort of a managerial capacity while I've been down here uh, the last twelve years. But but in total, we've been together for twenty to more than twenty years. Wow! So that was always really important to me. I liked having that continuity, and uh, and he got he and I got on well. And then w- by the time I decided to 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 try my hand, I'd been working in Canada for about uh, close to ten years at that mm-hmm. point, nine, eight or nine anyway. Red Green worked on a little mosque on the prairie for a couple of years at CDC, did a year on uh, Corner Gas, which was a ton mm-hmm. of fun. Uh, you, you, you know, the credit people can IMDb the credits, but I, I had gotten I was working a lot, which was which was terrific. I, mm-hmm. But I was having trouble. It seemed like I just couldn't in terms of trying to get a pitch going or get a get a development deal going. There was things here and there, but I was I was kind of being frustrated a little bit in my sense of um you know maybe i'm kind of starting to hit a ceiling here so yeah we came down in 2010 and glenn uh god bless him and and i was uh uh you know i was in a, i was in a good position at the time so i just mm-hmm. come off um off a little mosque uh uh as co-ep there so um yeah I, I wound up i wound up meeting with um all the big agencies here um again this is one of those re- perfect kind of mo- real just moments in your career where y- you know if you kind of miss that window it could it could pass but for mm-hmm. that time when we came out down here i we yeah we met with pretty much every major uh, agency and, and, a, and a bunch of boutiques so we kind of had our pick and then i was at wme for years mm-hmm. uh and then when the when when we kind of when the writers guild kind of went to war with the with the agencies over the, the whole packaging stuff um i left i had to quit you know everybody had to a lot of people were firing their agents so i fired wme my agent left he went off and started doing something else so i'm not there so i'm not at wme anymore mm-hmm. um and for the now and for the time being um i've been doing a lot of you know just uh, did a lot of development work up in canada the last couple of years so that's sort of been the focus again so if, in a way i've sort of come full circle mm-hmm. uh but anyway short version is i i i had a very fortunate time of it i think in terms of finding rep just having hit it off heading it off with glenn my mm-hmm. first rep and then just you know being at a you know at a time in my career where yeah it doesn't mean you're a superstar it just means oh well this guy's making money right now so mm-hmm. maybe, we can, <laughs> maybe we can you know and then you you do that for a few years and yeah if you want to know how to get an agent have dollar signs that's pretty much i mean that's everything right it's mm-hmm. just why you know yeah 
yeah, I mean, it's that's what that's why that's why anything ever happens in in this town. And you know, we were my my uh, girl, my partner Annie and I were watching the <clears throat> latest Halloween movie last night, and which has just come out. And I was like, you know, I reviewed people are like, eh, this movie's not very good. I'm like, well, of course it's not very good. I mean, it doesn't need to exist. <laughs> None of these movies need to exist, and they wouldn't if they didn't. You know, they don't even make money. If it stops making money, they'll stop making the movie. I mean, it, it is a yeah, one one thing almost has nothing to do with another. It's just what's the perceived dollar value on anything at any given time, and you know where do we go from there? Yeah, well, can, can you speak a little bit to the sort of differences um, in the Canadian model versus the U.S. model, particularly with regard to um, d- number one development? Because I I think that's there's a lot of similarities between the mm-hmm. two industries, but development is a is a big difference big difference between those two and also sort of the view of show running and that sort of um level uh with with the canadian networks yeah i mean oh geez i've i've i feel like i've spent half my adult life talking about this in a way it's like i it is it was a constant frustration and partly the reason that i did come down here and i've had this frustration since um and it obviously it depends on the network and it depends on the executive. There's some fine people working everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think in general, the, the idea, just the idea of what a showrunner actually is and does and where that buck stops to an extent. Now, listen, there's no, there's not a showrunner alive unless you're down here and you're, you're somebody who's powerful enough to have a wall around them. You're Larry David or you're Chuck Lorre or you're, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Lena Dunham. I don't know who it is, but if you're somebody who's kind of, in that position, that's great. Uh, there's always a lot of meddling, but I will say you need a centralized kind of, someone needs to be the head sort of creative uh, voice on a show. And I do think there's been a tendency in Canadian networks to sort of undervalue the the showrunner. Um, it's very much a, a kind of a, um, you know, uh, I was going to say gangbang. That's sort of an unsavory, uh, <laughs> but it, there's a lot of people attacking, you know, one, one, uh, a piece of work. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not afraid. I'm not, I'm not expressing myself very well on this, but I, it's, there's a difference. There's mm-hmm. a difference. And I, you know, let me, let me put it this way. I'll, I'll, here's an example. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I was working on a development project for, for one of the Canadian networks with a, with a, with some talent. And uh, I was up, I, I happened to be in Montreal doing some work on, on uh, just for laughs. I'd go up and write on the galas there and whatnot. And we were having some trouble with the talent. We were having troubles with the creative sort of the direction of the show. Um, and I had, in, I had asked, you know, uh, well, let's 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 can we sort of uh, try and sort this out? But when I when I went to the network to sort of express myself on this, there was they, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of interest in mm. terms of what it was. And when I and when they and when they went on and had a meeting with the parties in question, uh, uh, you know, and they came back and I said, well, how did that go? They said, oh, well, it's fine. And um, and um, they kind of blew me off and I said, you know, I'm, I'm the person who's going to be running this show. You, you know, you, if this <laughs> thing goes, 
you, it's important that you actually tell me what goes on. There was a kind of a, I, it just reminded me that uh, there's just not a, a ton of sort of respect for the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, and it's, it is kind of fascinating. Um, and, I, and I've heard that a lot. It, there's almost an idea that the showrunner can be, and, and, and like you said, it's not across the board, but um, almost like more of a head writer rather than it's his head writer business and you know i worked with a non-writing uh producer on uh, little mosque on the prairie mm-hmm. and uh i and i uh i think that person probably thought they were the showrunner mm-hmm. um but as my uh, as, as my friend the late great dennis mcgrath used to say uh showrunners oh. are writers showrunners are writers showrunners mm-hmm. are writers showrunners are not non-writing producers uh they are people who are there in the room doing the hard work all the time uh, anybody else is just getting in your way, um, and uh, and so yeah, I I yeah I feel very strongly about that. Um, I think that again, those are experiences. I'm, t- I'm also talking about some experiences that happened long, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of terrific people working uh, at every level, and and there are some executives that that is particularly you know some of the people who work in some of the streamers now, and there's there there are there's a maybe new streams opening up i don't mean streams just necessarily mm-hmm. literal streams but yeah just just streams of uh, of content um so i don't mean to sound pessimistic but yeah that was that was challenging and everything down here is is extremely challenging in its own way too but mm-hmm. but i i if i had had one sort of thing that stuck in my craw over the years you know i worked i did a year on i'll just say this i did a year on corner gas which as I said about a guy like Chuck Lorre or somebody like that, Brent and 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 I think Mark Farrell and all the all the people who were the senior writers on that show were doing a good enough job, and I think they had very smart executives working at Bell mm-hmm. at CTV at the time. And more or less, there was more a wall around that show. Uh, and whether you liked the show or not, a lot of people did. I thought it was I thought it was very funny. But even if you didn't like the show, you you, you, you it was it was the vision and the voice of, of a very specific. Mm. Right, like Brent. That was Brent and Mark, and 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 you know a lot of what Brent had brought to that from his own experience, his own sensibility. Um, that was that show where, as I say, there was a little bit of a wall around the creative. It's not that the network didn't have notes, but they were they were you know sparing with them. Mm. Uh, versus a year later, when I left that show to go work on Little Mosque on the Prayer, when you had about a thousand one fingers in the pot at any given time. The proof is in the pudding. Look at the shows, mm-hmm. right? One of them is funny, one of them isn't. That's <laughs> no, true. I mean, it just, it yeah. just is. It's just, it's just little, little Mosque has some smiles, and uh, but it's um, it was it was uh, a half the a third the show that, that the corner guys was, I think, comedically mm-hmm. and everything else. And and you know, you're working your butt off to to sort of get it there, and you know, you're constantly meeting that resistance. So it was about, within about a year of that that I that I moved down here. Boy, mm-hmm. I sound bitter, don't I? Never <laughs> ends. No, but I, I'm also very tired. I, I had a, I had a, a, a rare. Uh, this doesn't happen to me as often as it used to when I was younger. But I had a rare sort of 2 a.m. Uh, creative burst last night, and an mm-hmm. idea and a thought that I had to get down, and I almost never do that anymore. But then all of a sudden, I looked up and it was 4:30 in the morning. So, if I start to repeat myself and I get a little dizzy, <laughs> just uh, just you know, flag me before I fall over. Yeah, well, it's 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 actually very interesting. Um, 
I mean, I've been doing this podcast since 2010. And in the last 12 years, I mean, really, when I started, and actually when I started, one of, one of the things I did when I started is I interviewed a whole bunch of Canadian writers. I had a little series of Canadian TV and sort of to c- compare and, and contrast the two industries. And it seemed at the time that the U.S. were these big rooms with the showrunner um, as the god and and the and the Canadian industry was smaller rooms with head writer and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And and you think, wow, that could never happen in the U.S. But then the last couple of years, we're seeing yeah. smaller and smaller and smaller rooms. Disney's coming in and saying, well, the director's the auteur, so let's have a head writer again. And 100%. I mean, it, it feels like it's it's happening here, too. It is. The rooms are getting smaller. The orders are getting shorter. It's like, yeah, all those mini rooms that I did to sort of that I worked in to sort of cobble together, help cobble together a living in the in the 10 years I was working in Canada. Um, yeah, there's a lot more of that now and um, and a lot less financial stability. It's just the, yeah. And, and that that part of it is really frustrating. And um, and yeah, you know, the more. Uh, the more money people are spending, the more hand-wringing there's going to be. I mean, I get it. It's a business. People get nervous. And by the way, you know, for all of my whining about Canada, you know, I worked on a show 10 years ago in um, in in, in, uh, in uh, uh, New York City for uh, mm-hmm. for NBC called Next Caller with uh, that Stephen Falk, who later ran um, You're the Worst, uh, had created. We had... Uh, Jeffrey Tambor was in it, Dane Cook, uh, uh, Colette Wolf. Really good cast, huge show, big budget, enormous set, shipped out to Kaufman Astoria Studios. Um, and they never left us alone. And we were we were absolutely, you know, I don't know if it was because the network and Lionsgate or whatever on the other side of the of the country, but it was just a lot of a lot of uh, fiddling. And we got canceled before we even wrapped. We do never went to air. Wow. The show never aired. And wow. I and, and I would go home at night, like, just thinking, Jesus, like, what are we even doing here? You know, I can't. I, it was uh, it was unbelievable. So I, I that is not border specific, but I think you're right in terms of the the general, uh, just kind of. Uh, yeah, there's 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 I don't know. Look, there's a lot of great. There's there's more stuff being made. There's more interesting stuff being made. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to sit here and pine necessarily mm-hmm. for like a twenty a twenty year old model, right? Mm-hmm. Where you got one guy, usually some old white guy, running a room full of a lot of other old white guys. And you know, you look at a lot of the shows that were made when staffs were big, when there were basically three, only three or four networks, when people would more or less watch a test pattern on TV. Like it always makes me think of the story of like the guys in the writers' room. And I just say guys because they probably were mostly guys uh, mm-hmm. in Webster on Webster. Remember Webster the day with the yeah. Emmanuel Lewis in the oh, 80s. Yeah. And they had some hot, hot, new, uh, uh, ambitious network exec come in one day. This is like season three, season four. And she she or he had a bunch of ideas as to how they could make the show better. And I was like, I really think if we implement these things, we can make this a great episode of Webster. And the guy <laughs> turned to her and he said, look, there are no great episodes of Webster. There are no bad, yet good. There are just Websters. <laughs> Basically, it was like we will keep turning out the same garbage. People are gonna. It's gonna get a forty-seven share or whatever. You know. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 we can all be out for happy hour five o'clock every Friday. And 
look, you know, the, the people who were in the round in those times, like 20, 30, you know, years ago, like, you know, those were really the salad days. And I'm envious, I'm jealous. Was the work great? Not really, right? Like a mm. lot, everybody remembers the stuff that works, that, that that's classic. I mean, you remember the classics. You remember Cheers is a classic mm-hmm. show. You know, Mary Tyler Moore, Taxi, whatever your kind of go-to uh, uh, kind of classic uh, 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 comedy is. Um, but there, for every one of those shows, there were 20 just nonsense <laughs> garbage shows that made yeah. 200 episodes and everybody got rich and, you know, they're still living on their residuals. So I don't, I, as a viewer and, I, and as an audience member now, and obviously as, you know, you, you, I think inarguably, A, I mean, these are two different things, but mm. bringing more people to the table, bringing in those new voices has been, uh, by and large, a, a, a huge, a hugely good thing. And a lot of these shows, I will say, you do a shorter order, there's maybe less money out on the table, but maybe, maybe, maybe somebody's willing to take a slightly bigger chance because it's a, because there is less money involved and then something really interesting gets made. And I think you see that, right? Like mm-hmm. in a show like Rami or, or uh, uh, you know, I've got a couple of friends who, who work in Toronto on, on, on sort of. Uh, uh, for Hulu, and I think it's going to HBO, HBO Max next year. Uh, mm. Well, you know, just to, just to take a couple of kind of shows with very specific voices, very diverse, but that's not really what makes them good shows. They're just they're just well, they're very clear articulations of, of you know. So so I I you know I'm always aware that you know it's like oh you go back to the good old days. The good old days weren't necessarily the good old days. And I and I am aware of that. So I, I think the business is just changing like everything else. Um, and I do think kind of auteurs, which I don't really consider my I don't, I'm not an auteur really. I'm a I'm a hired gun at the end of the day for the most part. But I uh, there are the auteurs will still find ways to to get their stuff out there and and um, and have that power. So uh, I'm not entirely pessimistic, but. Uh, yeah, I do. I wish I had uh, been around at a time where you could just get a, you and. 15 other people could get on Webster and ride that out for five seasons. <laughs> yeah, I'd have done that. <laughs> yeah, uh, very cool. Well, let's uh, let's talk just a, a little bit about um, your time in the States. You worked on some pretty big shows, Two Broke Girls, um, yeah. uh, Mad Love, I mean, a bun- bunch of others. Uh, ca- catch me up. Talk about that time and what your experience was working here. Um, it w- it's been generally very good. I mean, I think uh, I was very nervous coming down not nervous no i was nervous actually i was gonna say no not nervous but i no i was very nervous in fact i was i was uh, i remember um (laughs) here's i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell a very honest story because i think it'll be more helpful than the pr version but just Mm -hmm. just because you know i don't want to i don't want to sort of blanket over you know how difficult these things can be especially for people who do what we do and we're mm-hmm. artists and writers and we're kind of sensitive people you know when i first started coming down here and i knew i really did want to make a go of it but i was nervous i'd never lived anywhere other than 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 toronto i'd, I'd mm-hmm. been on shows for two or three months in montreal or vancouver or wherever but i i was nervous about the move and I was on, like every other writer, like every other writer worth his salt, an antidepressant, which they had stopped making. <laughs> so I said, well, you're going to have to, this was an old pill, you've got to take it. So in the midst of doing this this um, sort of 
slow move down here. I was flying back and forth a lot. And of course, I didn't have a green card or anything, so I couldn't just like park park down here and, and move. But um, in the six or eight months between sort of first getting the agent and then getting my first staff job, which was on a show called Mad Love, uh, there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of traveling, and I was always kind of nervous on flights. And I was starting to have really panic attack there's no other way to put it i was just i was i was in between medications and i was feeling uh a lot of unease and i was just feeling just feeling really crummy that was you know that's that's a real thing and it's very it's very triggering uh, triggering if you're if you're in a um a lot of writers that can be very anxious people and so when you when you obviously when you when you enter you know sort of thunderdome you're carrying that with you a little bit, and I think if I if I could go back, I, I wish I'd. Uh, I, I eventually I did settle myself out, and I, I, I things turned out well. But I I wish I could have enjoyed that a little bit more because it's very easy to get inside your head, and I also think that. Yeah, yeah. I just wish I I just wish I'd enjoyed the ride maybe a little bit more uh, at the time. But you know, it, uh, so much of of I think this business and every other business and life in a way is like trying to get that thing and you think if i get that thing i'm going to be mm. happy the but then ultimately what happens is how do i hang on to this thing mm. now i gotta worry about that now that i now that i've got <laughs> the thing i want i have to worry about losing it right i mean yeah. that's that's sort of uh, so yeah there's no there's no magic formula to it but i've uh, on a case by i take it on a case by case basis some some things have been better than others some showrunners have been better than others i was better on some shows than I was on other shows. I mean, I'll, I'll take as much heat as I need to for if there was ever, you know, something where I wasn't a perfect fit. Um, yeah, but I, for the most part, uh, I, 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 I did in every room, at least with a couple of people, I got to work with a couple of folks who were really at the top of their game and learn a lot. And that, that part of it was, was super fun. Um, and I have made some friends, some friendships here that I, uh, that I really cherish and a lot of people that I used to see more of that I kind of miss, you know, just partly just since so many things have changed in the last few years. And I don't have to tell you this, but yeah, mm -hmm. between COVID and the going to war, as I say, with the, with the, uh, you know, the thing between the guild and the, and the producer. So, um, yeah, there's just been a lot of changes and, and also I'm just getting older and, you know, sort of finding what my voice is as an older writer versus, you know, the younger writer, whatever that means. Um, so, uh, but I, so there's been, I can't, I can't say it's been like, oh, all great and, and, or all bad, but it's just, I've had, I've had, I've, it's dependent on, it's been dependent on the experience, but I've had some, but I've had some good ones. And sort of the last big one I worked on, as you mentioned, was, uh, excuse me, Two Broke Girls, which, uh, yeah, was, you know, I mean, it, in terms of having grown up wanting to work on a big time multi-camera show you know that was uh that was uh you know sort of a dream come true i i didn't again i don't know and i'll i'll, I'll totally take i don't know that i was necessarily exactly the right fit for that show i sometimes feel like i could have done better um i always proud it prided proded i always proded myself. <laughs> I always, I always pride myself on really being able to nail the voice of a show and I, and I think that's if you can imitate, you can. That's that's like ninety percent of the way there, right? Like mm -hmm. I can remember when, when my first job on the Red Green Show, and 
not having watched a ton of the show, but Steve sent me the scripts, and I just sort of piled over, and I'm like, okay, this is the voice. I can write this voice. And I've, and I've generally been able to do that. There have been some times when it was harder. Like, I think Two Broke Girls, I did fine. It was, fine. It was a lot of fun in the room and, and stuff. But, yeah, it was just a little bit, I mean, again, it's just every show's kind of, it's not good or bad. It's just kind of everything's got its own wavelength. And, and it's your job to get on that wavelength. So if there was ever a time when I ever felt out of step, I'll always be like, well, that could just as easily have been me. But it was, uh, so it was challenging. But at the same time, I, it was, it was uh, kind of the culmination of an of a, of a, of a effort to sort of get there. And then having gotten there, then thinking, okay, well, what's next? And that's sort of what I've been trying to answer for the last five years as I, <laughs> as I develop things and, and run things up the flagpole and some things sell and some things don't. And still, still just kind of trying to cobble together a living. But uh, a lot of what I've sort of, um, I think, whatever happiness or balance I've been able to find in the last few years has come much more from just sort of my life as opposed to the machinations of the industry, because those are things you just can't control, you know? Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point to take a break to hear from our sponsors. And we'll be back to talk more about tips and that kind of thing. Drivingfootage.com provides 360 degree driving plates for film and TV. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with over 100 new cities from the U.S. and Canada coming in 2023. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. AVgearguy.com uses state-of-the-art technology to bring new life to old films and videos, like the Lost Betty White series, Pet Set, which they recently restored for its 50th anniversary. They can apply the same technology to your documentary, film and video archive, and family videos. Visit avgearguy.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person videos to you. And we're back to talk about tips and other stuff like that. Um, so for, first off, I want to talk about uh, the most important part, uh, the script. When you're reading scripts from potential hires or or in other things that you're doing, what are the things that you look for in a, in a good script? I think it's changed probably over the years. Um, I think my own writing has probably changed as well in terms of, in terms of my own samples. But I'm you know if I'm the one going out for the, the, the gig, which is you know, uh, but I if I'm but if I'm in a hiring place. Uh, you know, for me, it, 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 I'm, I, I guess at this point, I, I, I'm noticing things that feel, I don't know, I, I, it's, it's a cliche to just say, well, I'm looking, you know, you're looking for voice, but you are looking for voice. Something you feel like doesn't sound like this, it sounds like it's coming from some kind of lived, ex, lived experience in hmm. terms of how people actually live and, and relate to one another, as opposed to sounding like every other comedy that's you know just to take one example this is a, I, I don't want to pick on any one show but i just because i i can say it because i don't know anybody on it uh, <laughs> i was watching um no it's it's there's some really good stuff in it but we were watching uh, a league of their own the series mm -hmm. i was always a big fan of the movie and mm -hmm. there's some really good stuff in the series but i just in the pilot there was a very contemporary kind of uh a slightly 
that that kind of sitcom way that people have of talking to each other. It feels very written. It feels very scripted, mm-hmm. you know. And in that, and in that, it, it felt a little bit anachronistic just because of the time period of thing. And and I, I I guess I more and more when I turn on a show these days, and I feel like uh, uh, you know all that kind of quippy, sarcastic retort theater sort of. I don't know. I I've just grown bored with it. I'm like, is there something here that's has that that bears some resemblance to reality? Still funny. I mean, still jokes, mm-hmm. but just like, yeah, I don't know. There's something. There's nothing funnier to me than just like a simple. Like, like I think I feel like the reason like Curb Your Enthusiasm still works after 20 years is you know there's nothing there's nothing funnier to me than just a, a simple fact stated clearly you know mm. somebody's being a jackass you're being a jackass rather than you know this is the worst in the time you went to blah, 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 reference 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 just like people people trying to get along with one another mm. <laughs> and failing i don't know these are comedy philosophies that mean nothing but i i just yeah something that just feels like it was came from a real place look i look back on early scripts that i wrote when we were at york actually mm-hmm. And I and when I read because I still have one somewhere around here and I remember I used to have more of them, but I remember looking back at them like you know ten or fifteen years later maybe after I'd, I'd after I'd started writing a little bit professionally, and obviously I didn't think they were that obviously I felt as though my writing had improved well you would think it would but what I really what I really walked away from with it from with it from or something like that was. Um, this doesn't feel, this feels like something that somebody's, somebody's written who watches a lot of movies and TV shows. It mm. felt like I, it felt like whatever a little bit I had stolen from whatever it was I was watching at the time, right? A little, little Quentin Tarantino here, a little Woody Allen here, a little whatever they, you know, and, um, and, and so you have to, obviously you, over time you find your voice and, and, uh, and hope that it's not too derivative. And so, yeah, I guess. You're just always looking for 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 voice because uh, that means a lot. And then secondarily, and almost as importantly, is the story hanging together? Is there is there outside? Because obviously there can be great jokes and funny characters or whatever, but you know, have they kind of landed? Did, did they stick the landing in the in the third act or whatever? So hmm. yeah, I mean those are pretty basic things, but I would say that. You know, and I and I, I I would say the same thing about a script, any spec I wrote twenty years ago. I'm sure there are a lot of things I would that I did that mm-hmm. I just wouldn't that I just wouldn't do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, I I find that the the shows the the comedies that that really um, attract people are ones that feel like they're authentic from a certain point of view, like uh, when we, when you can feel that um, you're entering a world that is told from someone's point of view accurately. I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah. You know, I think to to take an example of a show I really do like, and I mentioned it once already, but uh, uh, sort of, you know, which is about, you know, a a young trans person. And and so so it's about, as far as, you know, it's it's, in a way, okay, it's about the, the trans experience and it's about, everything that maybe goes along with that, but it's really just about this character um, mm. and, and how interesting they are and, and their attitude to the world and the characters around them. It's just a funny point of view. And, 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 and 
irrespective of whatever the 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 all the other dressings, it's like I feel like I'm watching real human beings when I watch the mm. show, and um, that's relatable. Doesn't matter that the subject matter could be it could be about anything, but if it feels, it's the same reason you can watch. You know, you can be compelled by watching. You know, a mobster movie. If you even if you've never killed a guy, like I mean, we've all killed a guy, obviously. Mm. But lately, um, so no, I'm kidding. But uh, it, it just it, I, when things feel real, you you uh, that 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 reaches you. I think almost just uh, like by osmosis. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is this is something I want to go back to, and that's what I find when the with the shows like that one. Um, as I say, I just saw uh, 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 been catching up on Rami, and I think it's really good. Um, there's just yeah, something with some some specificity to it, I guess. Like as you as you say, yeah. Well, I say especially as um, the landscape is becoming a large number of small shows. Um, yeah, it's very important that for those that there would be a very specific voice that attracts a specific range of people. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I, and I, and I think it's, uh, yeah, and and in terms of, I just think there's more. There is more stuff being done. There is more. There's there's less money to be made on any given one show. That's true, but I do think creatively, in a way, it is kind of getting to what I always wished it was, which is less money spread around to more people, and then where 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 where, where do the gems? you know, come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can, cause it's not, everything's going to be awesome, but it, it's nice when people get a shot to make something. Mm-hmm. Steve Smith, who I've come back to him a lot today, but who, you know, my first boss in TV, you know, his story about launching the red green show. And he, he, he started it before it was at CBC. They started it at CHCH in Hamilton as an, an independent channel. Wow. Basically said, and he had, he had made a lot of content as we would say now, but he had made, he had already made about two or 300 episodes of TV for them uh, with his, uh, with his wife. They'd done They'd done a couple of different sketch shows, but he's, you know, his story and he always used to tell this during the warm up was uh, give me enough money to do something, but not enough that you care what it is. <laughs> and I was like, if, if more TV shows got made that way, we'd actually be better off, you know. Yeah. Because it's just like, just leave me, just give me a few bucks, and then leave me alone. And if it sucks, I won't bother you. You know, if I get handed to yeah. you, you're, you're you're not at that much money, and I when I won't bother you again. But you know, do that as opposed to, yeah, let's 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 make two things every year and micromanage them so carefully that we can't possibly go wrong, you know. Yeah. And of course, that's exactly where you do go wrong. You know, it, it's funny you say that because some of the most fun I've had is on the lowest budget shows. Um, and I, like there was one, one show I did in Canada where we submitted a rough cut. And you, you know how it works. Like there's a rough cut. There's a, a often rough cut too. There's a, there's a <laughs> fine cut, then fine cut too, and the lock cut, lock cut too. These, these, is a, there, there's like so many revision passes. Right. On this show, we submitted a rough cut, and the network notes were, "Looks great, lock it." Like, we didn't there have to do go. any of these passes or for. anything like that. Um, and it was the only show that flew me to um, halfway across the country for a rap party, put me up in the posh hotel. Like, 
Oh, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they're doing a lot of that. Sounds like they're doing a lot of different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think at some point you just kind of have to. You know, it's like Lauren Michaels always said about Saturday Night Live. It's like we don't go on because we're ready. We go on because it's 1130 and it's Saturday night. Like, you know, it's so, there's a lot to be said for just kind of being creative and, and moving that as quickly but and as elegantly. But, yeah, I, you know, it, we're, we, it just kind of keeps coming back to the same idea of, of, of having some of sort of the money people having faith in the creative people. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's easier said than done. Yeah. So what about um, behind the scenes? So you've talked about a lot of ups and downs in the industry, changing industry, um, some of the challenges that you had when you first moved here. What are, what are some of your tips for even somebody who's starting out to be prepared for what they're going to face in the industry and also to sort of upper levels um, when they hit those ebbs and flows? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Hold on for dear life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, I, it's I, I, a lot of it's a lot of tenacity, and I think a lot of ambition. Um, both of which I probably had more of twenty years ago than I do now. You know, I don't know about you. I mean, it's not that I it's not that I don't. I, I still have creative energy, but the some of the yeah, it, 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 there's a reason that a lot of the, the, the most people, most, you know, the people that we consider to be sort of uh, uh, the top of their field or the geniuses, there's a reason that a lot of that work gets done in people's 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, it takes a lot of energy to to kind of to kind of fight um, through that. Um, but I, you know, I don't I, I think the people who I there's there's nothing I could say to a young person starting out today that that uh, would be any smarter than anything they could tell me that would probably be, be more useful to me than what I could tell them. Like, I feel like they're going to, they're going to navigate it the way they're going to navigate it. And I think there are way more opportunities now because people can't actually just go out there and shoot something mm-hmm. and have it not be crummy. Right. Like, I mean, have it actually look pretty good. I mean, I'm embarrassed when I think back to, we mentioned uh, the late great Dennis McGrath. Did you know Dennis? A yeah. little bit, a little bit. Yeah, uh, Dennis. Uh, when uh, back when I was uh, early two thousands, I think I was doing Red Green in a show. I was working on another show, and he was teaching a course at Ryerson, a TV writing course, just part time. And I he had me come in to like I had like two credits, and I was like in there pretending I knew what I was talking about. Um, but I remember like one of them saying like some of the kids well, what about you know we were talking we were talking about i was i was having i was on the same cynical bent that i'm on now which is just you know oh it's a bear and it's just hard to get people to get on <laughs> everybody's always going to be fighting and then some you know one of some young kids said uh, uh what about you know just going out and shooting our own stuff this is maybe a year or two prior to say youtube right mm-hmm. and i was like well, you can, but you're just going to be wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody's ever going to look at, you know, I yeah. mean, yeah, that's, that's, I was just completely wrong. So I, so I'm always like, anytime I, I you know, the, the idea of me sort of giving advice to somebody, they probably got stuff figured out that I, that I may never figure out now. Uh, and I, and I think there are so many, 
so many different ways to come into the industry now. Um, and I still do believe like talented, really talented people. It still do kind of rise to the top as much of a cliche as that is. Right. Um, and the, and the stuff that isn't any good, uh, goes away. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it, there is still a meritocracy to it, uh, which is, can be a beautiful thing. I think we've talked a little bit about how, you know, Canada, there were times when it didn't always feel like such a meritocracy. Um, but you know, uh, it, it takes a hell of a lot of, it takes a lot to get anything made. And, and if you can do that, um, yeah, you're, 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 you're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, just doing these interviews over the years and, and seeing, especially, um, over the last three, four, um, it seems like the, the job of a TV writer, you do best if you're willing to pivot and mm -hmm. and uh, just adapt to the ways that the industry is shifting. I, I think a great example is the year 2015. wasn't that long ago. Before mm -hmm. that, there was no such thing as a as a streaming network. Now, yeah, is that amazing? Streaming networks have have passed um, broadcast um, in terms of viewership, and yeah. you know that 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 needle's not going backwards. Um, yeah, and, and so I, I, I think the the writers that I've seen do the worst are the ones that are still trying to hold on to the old model. Um, the writers that I've seen yeah. do best are the ones that are quick on their feet and saying, "Okay, what do you want me to do now? Where where can I take advantage of where things are right now?" I think that's true. I think there you, there's a lot of you, you have to have sort of have a lot of agility, but it's it's a reality. I was having I was chatting, I was on the phone with a friend of mine just this morning. Uh, who's uh, uh, rapping? A, he's working on. A, he's been on a network show, and <clears throat> you know it's one of these kind of dwindling network jobs. But you know, you, 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 when you talk about the piece of the pie or or the of the you know the size of the audience, you know what when you're talking about point fours and point fives, you know ratings and all that. Um, yeah, it's completely shifted now. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why I think network TV tends to still gear itself toward older viewers because those are the folks obviously who are watching. So there's still that, but I do, I think it's, I think it's going away. I've, I've often said, and I could be wrong that within the next, sometimes I've said as little as one to five, but let's say five to 10, it, it's almost unimaginable to me that, 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 that networks will still continue to broadcast in a traditional kind of way with time slots and all that, you know, like, we're already so close to that almost just not being a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, you're right. That's exactly right. I, when I, I mean, I moved down here in 2010, which feels like about 20 minutes ago. And, and in many ways, the industry was completely different. And when we, and that show, that first show I worked on mad love, it was a multi-camera for uh, CBS with, um, it was a good show. Jason Biggs and Sarah, Ch really good cast. Sarah Chalk, uh, Judy Greer, was on that show and also um uh who am i forget oh tyler labine who who's who's just doing uh, uh who's wrapping the last season of new amsterdam now and um geez i can remember the day we premiered we were still work because we were still shooting 
when the first episode aired, and we were panicked because I think we did like a 3.1 or something. We're like, oh, <laughs> oh, we're going to get canceled, you know. And, and we yeah. did get canceled. We did get canceled after 13 episodes. They're like, oh, we yeah. can do better. Well, you know, geez, nowadays. Uh, and that may have been true. Yeah, we got a point four. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it is, it's completely, completely, completely changed. The only, the only real piece of advice I could give anybody is to, to really, if you if, if there's something you want to create, or if you have an idea that you're just super excited about, figure out whatever way to, to, to get them, whether that's writing the script or going out and shooting it or just getting, or getting it in front of it, whatever it is, but just, it's gotta be something that you're super excited about because it will, it'll just find them. The, the industry is always going to find a billion ways to break your heart. So the only thing you can really do is if you're not enjoying the work, if the work isn't meaning something to you on a, as a, just bringing you some joyful experience in the creation of it, in the imagining of it, uh, you have you, you need that. That's the cornerstone of all of it because the other um, nine times out of ten, all the other stuff doesn't doesn't happen. Uh, so just for your for one's own mental acuity, I think it, it 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 just remember what drew you to it in the first place. And I mean that you know we we talked just a little bit about doing this kind of I've been doing a, a sort of a, a, a podcast kind of show of my own on YouTube and discovering just in the editing doing the post of it and finding how much i enjoy that and losing hours to that in a way that i used to lose to writing say 20 years ago but i don't get much of anymore now maybe i don't know that necessarily means i a career change but it is interesting that you know yeah i don't know it's just it it, uh it, it really has to it's everything is going to be have its own frustration and heartbreak so yeah, it's got to be, you got to do it because you love, you really love doing it. Mm. Um, boy, that's a cliche, but it is true. It is yeah. true because I know the difference if I'm, yeah, I, I, I need to be irrespective of whatever success of any one project. It's, I want to be able to enjoy the the doing of it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's and and this, this is the kind of thing that uh, you can read about a lot, um, but you don't know until you do it how you're going to like it. Uh, my, my daughter has that experience. I, I told you off camera, she's, she's in USC screenwriting right now. And, um, because she's been so laser focused on writing, she never thought about picking up a camera, but now she's in, in a production course as well, where she has to make short films and she is loving it. Like absolutely oh, loving it and, and doing great work. And they have to do a new short film every two weeks. And she's just, hitting it out of the park and she she never would have known that if she didn't start doing it and i think so so especially as as writers we can spend a lot of time just um spinning the wheels yeah and and not actually putting the pen to paper not actually picking up the camera and i and i think sometimes we just have to have to make that first step i i back in 2014 i went to a comic-con panel that was all about creativity and that's one of the things they, they said is put one word on the page and others will follow right they, they, they literally said put the quick brown fox jumps over lazy dogs and then cross that out after you've written something else and, yeah and, and, it, and it's like 
the 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 biggest thing that people can do is just start. Yeah. And the yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I even still to this day need to be reminded of some days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So so tell me more about the the show you do on on YouTube. What is that all about? Uh, you know, just just as uh, I was uh, uh, I had some had you know a little more time. Something had had just fallen through earlier this year, and I had a little more time on my hands than I wanted to. And I and I just thought, geez, I I really want to just do something. I want to do something. And I I had uh, yeah, no real reason when I when I back before even you know went to went to film school at York. I when I growing up in Scarborough. For a couple of years, uh, myself and a, and a guy who was older than I was, I was still a teenager. We had a little movie review show on like, you know, public access TV. And I really enjoyed doing that. And I and I always and I and for a long time really thought that that broadcasting was sort of where I was maybe headed. And I, I was sort of uh, disavowed of that notion a little bit when I realized that you know, there, there weren't a lot of like jobs to be like Dr. Johnny fever on the radio or whatever. There was a lot of like, I, I remember doing one audition at, at, a like, uh, one of the easy listening stations in town, uh, in Toronto. And, and, uh, uh you know, they, they, they needed some late night person. And I went in and I had that issue and I realized there was really all I was ever really going to be doing was, playing the set playlist that had been that had been out for me and then you know give the temperature and the time every now and again and that was it i thought this is really this is really boring but i always you know and then when podcasting i mean podcasts have been around now for what you know however long people have been doing at least 15 some odd years and um always kind of thought about doing it just because i i did get a kick out of it and then just earlier this year i just thought oh what the hell uh, and I uh, got a couple of uh, went to, went on eBay and got a couple of uh, digital uh, you know old Sony six thousands and and uh, just kind of doing another cheap. But uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. And and in terms of talking to, I, I've realized you know just how many friends I have made in the industry, how many people that mm. that have that that have uh, have meant a lot to me, and the people that I miss just chatting with. And uh, and so and so some of them be faces people know well, some of them not so much. Um, and obviously it depends on, you know, how a lot of, obviously a lot of folks are Canadian, but I, it, it was, you know, honest to God, uh, it was as much about having an excuse just to catch up with people than anything else mm-hmm. coming off of, you know, two years and two and a half years of COVID and feeling like, yeah, just want to chat with people, just have a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just, and if I can do it in person, then great. But I, you know, just zooming with, people that I've worked with back in, you know, was, we, you know Colin Mockery and Deb McGrath, or um, I've had Mark McKinney on a couple of times and people, uh, and some people that I don't know very well. Uh, we, I, we just did Alana uh, Harkin, uh, who's uh, just finished on Full Frontal of uh, a TBS Sam B show. And Alana and I would have been around, knew I think a lot of the same people in the comedy scene in Toronto in the early 2000s around the Rivoli and stuff, but we'd never met. And that was really fun. So it's, 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 it is, it's an opportunity to do that. Cause I don't, you know, you get older, a, we live in, you know, if, you, if, if, if the topo- if the general topography of where you live is anything like where I live, you know, you're in the suburbs, right. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not like it be when, you know, when you lived in Toronto and, you know, you had kind of a dense community of people around you and you could look forward to running into people at the coffee shop or whatever. So anything that kind of gets me, uh, chatting, chatting with folks is, is, is fun for me. And I, yeah, I just kind of, I got a kick out of it as to whether or not uh, 
there's any future in it monetarily or anything else that'll depend on you know who gives first if i if i get bored or, <laughs> you know, we'll see yeah very cool i'll put a link to the youtube channel in the show please notes. do I, I i put a lot of work into it i hope people will, will get a chance to check it out it's, it's fun yeah yeah very cool well we're going to start to wrap things up here unless there's anything else you want to mention no um, i feel like grand I statement bored. i hope i haven't bored everybody to death um <laughs> but uh no it's uh it's great to uh you know it's funny the more we chat the more i'm feeling like i know we must have spent so what well, we do because we know a lot of the same people so we must have spent some time together but then of course that was 20 30 years ago too long well, ago close yeah. to 30 years ago so we could we could forgive ourselves if we if we uh can't remember any specific keg party. That pub you worked at, was it the Absinthe? No, but the Absinthe was right around the corner because actually I was a Winters mm -hmm. student. I worked at the Maxwell, which was really more of a coffee shop in McLaughlin. Mm. Yep. Remember that? I, um, I never went to that one. I did work at the Absinthe, though. Oh, you worked at the Absinthe? Yeah. Jeez, I'll bet you probably served me there. Yeah, that's where all my musician friends, because uh, I had a lot of friends who were in the music program. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we would go in, uh, sure, go in there and hoist some sometimes. And back then, of course, you know, we were, we'd, you'd smoke everywhere. And we'd go in there and just smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke. Wow. What, a t what a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, I so you're, no, you're yeah. um, the Rob, oh, sorry, good. What was that? Oh no, I was just remembering all the other pubs on the York campus. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and and the new ones. Have you ever been back? That campus. I have not so... been back. No. Oh, so different now. So different now. I'll bet it My... is. When was the last time you were there? My daughter had a ballet recital in like, I want to say, two thousand eight ish. Okay. And, uh, I'll probably no. Actually, it would have been later than that. It was but maybe two thousand twelve, and um, and wow looks totally different totally built up tons of new buildings like i'd love to facilities. i'd really kind of love to walk around actually and uh uh next time i'm in toronto maybe i'll make an effort to do that because i just just curious yeah i've mm. seen photos of it where i mean the newest building when you and i were there was barry hall right yeah and and that was quite lovely at the time and i, I suspect there's a lot more construction since then yeah i have a funny story about barry hall um I statute of limitations. I'm probably okay. Uh, so w when it was just being built, we were shooting this sci-fi film, and uh, and so we got permission to go and shoot in one of the classrooms, and we we had this clever idea. We're going to shoot lasers, and we would put cardboard, and then the uh, the charge, and then a painting, so that the charge could explode through the painting. Um, oh, okay. And uh, and that was all well and good, except we forgot that heat rises, and so the charge went off and it goes. Oh up no! Ab up above it, and and so when you take off, well, f first of all, it, in the in the film footage, you can it, it 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 explodes beautifully, and then you see me jump into the shot, <laughs> put it out. And so we take off the cardboard, and you can see the the line of the cardboard, everything clean underneath, and then this like smoky um, thing on the wall. Oh we God, were we were hilarious. so so lucky. Um, they were still painting, and they offered to just paint that room again. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we 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 could have been in big trouble for that. Yeah. Right. Well. 
you're a free, you're still a free man. So you know, no one's, uh, no one's arrested you for arson yet. Yeah. So you're the Rob Sheridan on Twitter. Uh, I think so. Is that right? I don't know. I don't remember. I used to, I, I, I had, a, I lost my account at one point. And I started, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think I am the, I think I am the Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and and, it, and if anybody know. wants to reach out to you, what's the best, best way are you on? Is Instagram better? Twitter? Oh like yeah, that? no, Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is good. I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Well, my screen name is up all night with Bob, which is the name of my little show. And then, uh, but, or that's my, uh, is that my nickname or my screen name? Could I sound like an older person? Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, what the, hell, what the hell is my name here? Oh, Rob. Oh, well, Rob Sheridan. Oh, I guess that's it. Rob Sheridan. What is my, Perfect. oh, up all night with Bob. Up all night with Bob. I'll make up sure these are in the Bob. show notes. Thank you. Well, it's been great catching up. Uh, appreciate you taking this time and great, uh, reconnecting about old times too. Um, yeah, nice to chat. Nice to chat with you. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come knock on your door next time. We're coming up to six flags. Very cool. Thanks so much. Rob. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Cool. Okay. You too. That's it for the episode. You can find us on the web at tvwriterpodcast.com or at scriptmag.com. The video version of this podcast is available at iTunes, Podbean, or YouTube. The audio-only version is available at iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or Pandora. You can find me on Instagram at, at TVWriterPodcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.